0: And Lake Kick is live. It is Tuesday night, November eighth, year of our Lord, two thousand twenty-two. Put the women and children to bed. It's that time of millennium. I've got some thoughts on the college football playoff rankings tonight. Mere moments from now, and also on a much more important and I would argue serious note, I've got some things you need to know about these conference championship races because I don't think it's getting nearly enough love. Everyone's talking playoff. No one wants to talk about the here and now. We got some really, really muddled. You know how rarely I use that word. Conference championship pictures. Not much longer. We're going to let you know everything. And by we, I mean producer Jesse just ran in here with a one sheet for me about five minutes ago. I've got week 11 predictions. That's what we do around here, even on election night. We do not waste time. We get to predictions for the upcoming week. I've got some coaching rumors that we need to just take a machete and hack our way through because there are some things being said that are false. And there are some things not being said that, if they were said, would be true. I hope I haven't been unclear. All that, plus I've got like four added best bets tonight. Going to be a loaded Tuesday show. They're watching us in Racine, Wisconsin, South Bend, Indiana. Just basically the entire women's baseball league up there is tuned in tonight. I guess Shreveport, Louisiana, Modesto, California. Every night I talk to you guys. Every night we get closer and closer. We're over 146,000 subs on the channel now. Forget about Thanksgiving. We may just be there by this time next week. And producer Jesse and director Colin and myself we're very excited about this because we're starting to get some ideas from you on what we should do for a prize for you all when we get to 150k subs. First things first, let's get there. We're very excited about that. We added over 1300 just yesterday. We had one of the highest traffic days on in channel history yesterday. Just remarkable numbers. So we appreciate you guys so so much. Okay. My nose itches and there's nothing I can do other than scratch it. So hold on just a second. Mm. That should be good. Okay, let's dive into tonight's show. The college football playoff rankings were just released. As a general rule of thumb, we could not care less about this stuff. However, I did have one thing that just dawned on me as I was walking down the hallway. It has not been the best of weeks for Director Collins because you cut him open, whereas you and I just bleed normal old blood, he bleeds orange. Maybe this kind of orange here in the chalice of choice liquids a term not patented by me. And so Colin was down bad after Saturday. But you know what, he's really not. Because Director Collin and the Tennessee Volunteers are favored to make the playoffs still. They were the number five ranked team in the playoff rankings released a little while ago if you're watching live. And they're favored, they're like minus 160. If you bet a straight up yes or no prop, does Tennessee make it? Tennessee is favored, like significantly favored to make the playoff right now. And if you look at the remainder of their schedule, the only hurdle is themselves. Their biggest hurdle is in the mirror. There are the odds to win the national championship on the screen right now. <laughs> They're gone, because keep this up. Keep the, keep the Tennessee schedule up. So they've got Missouri at South Carolina, at Vanderbilt. Let me tell you something. If Tennessee drops one of those games, it just wasn't meant to be. So they should run through the rest of this November. They should still be a team on a mission. I, they dust themselves off after last week, just like LSU did. You know LSU. got. Got bounced by Tennessee, what did they do? They just proceeded to go on the best run of their season. Well, Tennessee needs to do the same thing post Georgia. Now, let me see those odds to win the national championship again. Because this is what I want you to pay close attention to. Georgia favored to win the title. Ohio State, two. Michigan, three. Essentially, one of those will win come, what is it, November 20, whatever. And so the other will be out of there. And then you got Tennessee there at four. Tennessee's got better odds to win the title than TCU does, which is basically odds makers telling you. Once they get there, we would favor Tennessee by double digits on a neutral field against TCU. That's a fact, by the way. So that's what the first thing I thought about was. The second thing I'm thinking, and I was just doing an HQ hit right before we came on air. We've never done that before, but I did that tonight. They're asking a lot about these head to head matchups. A lot of folks want to know what happens when we get to the end of the year and we may have a Pac 12 champion, whether it's USC or Oregon. I'm just over here saying, excuse me, UCLA is still in this. I'm I'm not favoring them to win it. I'm just saying they're they're 12th right now, I think, 12th or 13th, and they still got USC to play. If they played Oregon in the Pac-12 championship game and they would have a chance to avenge their only loss, just something to keep in mind. Anyway, you got the Big 12, they will produce a champion. Maybe it's an undefeated TCU. Who knows? You've got the Pac-12, they will produce a champion. Maybe it's a one-loss USC or a one-loss Oregon. Who knows? Here's my question. If we get into one of these hypothetical scenarios where we have to compare a Tennessee against one of those teams, what happens? Well, if it's an undefeated TCU, TCU's getting the nod. But outside of that, anything's on the table. And I'm thinking to myself, if USC were to win that Pac-12 championship, you are adding wins against UCLA, against Notre Dame, all of a sudden ranked tonight. And presumably a Pac-12 championship game against an Oregon, let's just assume for a second, their only loss, as you see, is a one-point loss on the road at a ranked Utah team. I think USC, as a Pac-12 champ, would probably get a nod over Tennessee if it were a head-to-head. It may not come down to that. Oregon, it's a little bit different, maybe, because with Oregon, a lot of folks are saying, yeah, you got that blowout loss against Georgia, so in a head-to-head, you can't overcome that. Well, let me remind you, they got a game versus a ranked team this weekend. They got another game versus another ranked team next weekend. And Oregon State not being ranked is a travesty because they're one of the 25 best teams in America. So, they've got 3 games left on their schedule that are 3 of the toughest games they will have played all year. And if they go to the Pac-12 Championship game and play UCLA or USC, they'll add a fourth one there. That's going to be a heck of a resume for Oregon if and when it comes that time. So, that's really the only thing on my mind. And the other is how the Big Ten gets handled. Like, if, if Michigan goes into Ohio State and wins, like, I think Michigan's in, obviously. I don't know how they handle Ohio State. If Ohio State wins that game, Michigan's resume is not going to be strong enough, I think, that out. So the only other thing to just, just remember here is LSU controls their destiny. And, Colin, I know I'm hopping around, so just try your best to keep up. I think you need to realize how important this weekend is. This weekend, LSU goes to Arkansas. We're going to break the game down later. And they are a three-point favorite. Not 13, not 30. They're a three-point favorite. If they win the game, they got UAB the following week. They go to Texas A&M. I mean, they're sitting there to where they control their playoff destiny, I believe, because uh, an SEC champ's getting in. But if they were to lose this weekend, let me, let me paint you the wildest scenario I think that could happen. If LSU loses this weekend and Bama beats Ole Miss, neither of which are a given, there would be so much pressure on LSU in that final game at Texas A&M because all Bama would have to do at that point is beat Auburn. LSU would need to beat Texas A&M. In other words, you could have a, a de facto SEC West title game, for one party at least, and the SEC West could be on the line. If, if they don't take care of business against Arkansas Saturday, the SEC West could be on the line that final weekend of the season. And at that point, maybe you got a healthy Connor Wigman and you got a and welcoming LSU in and that's a true Super Bowl spot for the Aggies. They got nothing else to play for. Maybe bowl eligibility. I would highly advise LSU just go ahead and take care of business this week. Okay, here's what you need to know. I, wanna, I want you to bookmark this. You can send it to your friends, your mom, your dad, anybody who's wondering, what happens if? Well, what happens if? Who, who's gonna win that conference? Who's favored to win this? Who's still alive there? This is all you need to know. In the SEC, it's gonna be Georgia's in the East. That's already locked down. In the West, I just told you, LSU's in the driver's seat. Bama's still faintly alive there. Ole Miss is still alive. But LSU controls it because they got the head-to-head win over Ole Miss. They got the head-to-head win over Bama. And so before you even start to breathe life, into a race over there, you're going to have to have LSU lose a game. And that's where the SEC stands right now. The odds to win the SEC, Georgia, a minus 500 favorite, mainly because we know they're already going to be in Atlanta and they're the best team over there. LSU is plus 350, Bama's plus 1,400, and Tennessee is plus 7,500. Look, the SEC is a pretty understood conference at this point. What about the ACC, though? The ACC is thought to be out of this. And that is not a controversial take at all, because as far as the playoff goes, yeah, it's pretty much true. The ACC is out of this. But what about the conference championship? Well, right now, Clemson has the Atlantic locked up. I mean, they would need to lose two games coming up, Louisville and Miami. So they're there. North Carolina has essentially locked up the Coastal. I mean, North Carolina is still undefeated in conference play, and the next closest team has two losses over there. So we are probably training headlong towards Clemson versus North Carolina in the ACC championship game, that is North Carolina's schedule. A lot of people are texting me and DMing me saying, why aren't you talking about North Carolina more when it comes to the playoff picture? And I direct them to this graphic. Where, Where is the resume? Where is the meat on the bone? They've got a loss against Notre Dame. That was the game they needed. Now that would bolster them a little bit more. If they're undefeated, and they're in the conference championship picture, and they got to win over Notre Dame, that would be great. But the Notre Dame game was their shot, and they didn't win it. And elsewhere, it's just a lot of average to below average ACC teams. I mean, they've got a game against Wake Forest coming up. They got NC State. They could win against Clemson. It just, I don't think it would be enough, guys. I don't think that, and I haven't heard a a single word out of anybody on that committee's mouths to suggest otherwise. So that's where the ACC is right now. The Big Ten's messy, but it's really not. It's messy in a sense that we have no clue who's gonna come out of the West. But whoever comes out of the West is gonna get body bagged in the Big Ten championship game. And Illinois's gotta lose somewhere. If they don't, it's gonna be them. But if they do lose, please look at your screen right now. Illinois's got two losses over there in conference play. And then Minnesota's got three, Wisconsin's got three, Purdue's got three, Iowa's got three, Nebraska's got four. So there's just, it's like Illinois and a cast of thousands over there. It's like a bucket of crabs and the Illinois crab is just, it's almost at the top of the bucket and all the other little Western division crabs are just trying to grab on. I really hope nobody tuned in right that second because they probably tuned right back out. Point is, yeah, it looks muddy. It's really not. The Big Ten championship game is two days after Thanksgiving in Columbus, Ohio. We will probably be there. I don't know that there's gonna be a bigger game that day for the Every Given Saturday Tour. Michigan at Ohio State, I think if you were to have looked at odds, you know, earlier in the year, two touchdown spread, I think it's gonna be a single digit spread by the time that game kicks off. And as we have learned recently, painfully in some cases, no one really cares about point spreads in these games anymore anyway. What about the Big 12? I'm rubbed the wrong way, by how the Big 12 is being treated right now. I care about the Big 12. I think it's been an ultra-competitive conference this year. I think it's been the most entertaining conference in college football. I heard someone say earlier today, well, TCU's resume doesn't look as good as it had looked. Why, you may ask? Because a lot of these teams they've beaten have lost other games. Allow me to suggest to you, it's impossible for that not to happen when you play a full round robin schedule in conference. So TCU beats these teams early in the year. The, the conference is packed like Vienna sausages inside the can that is the Big 12, and they all play each other, and we're shocked when, oh, you you know, you beat Kansas earlier, but they've lost some games since then. You beat Oklahoma State, they've lost some games since then. Yeah, they all play each other. How was that? How is that going to happen any other way? So anyway, TCU's got a really good resume to me. Uh, They've still got, check this out, at Texas this week, they're a seven-point dog. They'll go to Baylor after that. Back-to-back road stretch, they will be a dog in that game too. Uh, That didn't matter when they played Oklahoma, mind you, but they will be a dog. So TCU's sitting there. uh, They obviously control their own destiny, or at least I think they do. But they would have to lose to both Texas and Baylor and have Texas and Baylor win out the rest of the way for them not to go to the conference championship game. So, it is likely that TCU is in the Big 12 championship game, but who do they face if they're there? Could be a rematch of who they see this weekend, for example. Now, I think a lot of folks in the Big 12, ironically, are kind of pulling for TCU this Saturday because that gets Texas out of the way and everyone hates Texas out there with a white-hot passion of 10,000 Suns anyway, but also it gets Texas out of the way in a sense that then Baylor and, you know, TCU is already there, but Baylor is sitting there saying, okay, that clears the path a little bit more for us. Baylor, Kansas State, Texas, they're all sitting there. Baylor's the most interesting team. You're looking at their schedule right now. They play Kansas State this week. They play TCU the next week, and they go to Texas in the final week. So all of these teams that are lined up, there's one squad that gets to play them all, and that's Baylor. So I wouldn't say Dave Aranda is sitting right where he wants to be sitting, cause they've already got two losses, but they're kind of where they need to be sitting. Cause they're the team that in the conference race still controls their own destiny. I think for the college football playoff, yes, barring some abject chaos, it is TCU as your hope. In the Pac-12, And this is where you need to listen to me, Pac-12 paid and all. USC, UCLA, Oregon, they all have one loss. Oregon's loss, though, is not in Pac-12 play. So Oregon is the undefeated team out there in conference play. You've still got USC versus UCLA, I think next week, actually. Jesse, isn't it next week or either the week after? It's not the final week of the season. So we know we have that. We know Oregon still has to play Utah. So there's still a lot to be decided. I I would argue the Pac-12 championship race is only just now starting to come into focus. But remember, there was a shift out there this year. And I don't think a lot of people still have grasped this. They play in divisions. I'm going to lose you, I know, because this makes no sense. They play in divisions. They got a North, they got a South. However, they're irrelevant because at the end of the year, they're not taking the Northern Division champ and the Southern Division champ and putting them in the conference title game. They're just taking the best two teams. Well, Josh, why do they have divisions then? I have no idea, but they do. And so we're just taking the top two teams here. Now, there's a lot of speculation out there that the Pac-12 wants USC to win the conference. And that is because the Pac-12 absolutely wants USC to win the conference, as do television networks. We don't really get into that because um, we don't care because we don't make money off of that. So I just want to see the best team win. Oregon's the most interesting team. I told you, they went out. That resume gets massively boosted relative to what it already is. And they've still got several opportunities to impress. And we're gonna break their game down a little bit later. So I'm just fascinated if the head-to-heads come into play. I'm also fascinated, you know what I would love to know? I'd love to know if if LSU were to lose, this is unlikely, but if LSU were to lose against Arkansas and a and Bama wins out. Bama wins the SEC West in that case. And they pull some miracle against Georgia like they did last year. What would the committee do with them? Everybody thinks Bama's out of it. I do too. I think they're probably out of it, like 95% out of it. But there is, there's statistically and there's logically a shot still for them. And they would come out of nowhere. Like they would not even come off the top rope. They would sting style. They would lower themselves from the rafters and say, here we are. You know, you, you open the shirt, you take the mask off, and there's that, there's that script A, and they're an SEC champ with two losses. That would be wild, unlikely, but uh, wild. So uh, long way to go. Still a lot to be sorted out. I just wanted to give you some thoughts there, and that's that. Uh, Academy Sports and Outdoors hit me up earlier today. I got some good news, and I think we need to take time and clap for each other around here. We assisted them in opening a new store in Houston this past weekend that much you know i now am at liberty to tell you it was the most successful grand opening weekend for any academy in history and that beats the record that we helped them set in Panama City a few months ago now i know what you're thinking don't the astros winning the world series have a little bit to do with that maybe okay so what i'm willing to do here tonight and, and don't say don't say that i'm not humble and don't say that I don't share credit, because watch this. I am willing to split 50-50 the credit for the success of this new Academy opening with the Houston Astros. Exactly, thank you guys. So from the Houston Astros and myself to Academy, you're welcome. And from Academy to all of you, thank you. And from me to all of you, thank you. So now that we're done with that, I just want to remind you one more time, This partnership means everything to us. And if you enjoy this show being free, it means everything to you. And so if you care about such things, I would encourage you. Drop by Academy sometime in the next week. Pick up a shirt. Pick up a new basketball hoop for all I care. Pick up a grill. Pick up a tent. Uh, And if you can't get there in person, academy.com is your hookup. Got a meeting with those guys next week. Always excited because, look, the Academy folks are the kind of folks that you would talk to even if we weren't in business with them because they are not casuals. They're, They're one of us. Plural, but they're one of us. We got big games to break down. That's what we do around here on Tuesday. So let's dive into it. Appreciate you guys being tuned in live. If you would, this little button here, the thumbs up button. Go ahead and click that thumbs up button for me. I have never been more confused about a prediction than this game. Let me take a a sip out of the chalice. I had a guy hit me in the comments, by the way, Colin, today I didn't tell you this. I had a guy hit me in the comments. We did, obviously, a reaction to the LSU-Alabama game the other day. Pretty big news, I thought. Alabama goes down again. And um, he said, stop talking about Alabama. Nobody cares about Alabama. As of this moment, that video alone has 115,000 views. Oh, by the way, that guy had to watch the video to comment on it. So it seems people care. And in reality, there is not a more polarizing brand in this sport than Alabama Crimson Tide football. No one is indifferent on them. They love them or they hate them. Anyway, I think a lot of you love to watch them get upset the other day. I watched it in amazement, and now I look at the fact that they're playing Ole Miss this weekend, and I say, they're favored by 11? 12? They're favored by 12. So let's dive into it. Colin, I don't even care if you put that in the video. Let's go, though. Saban versus Kiffin is not what this is about this week, which is surprising. Because anyone who's looking at that schedule in the summer says, ooh, there we go, Saban versus Kiffin, second week in November. There we go, going to have that coaching matchup. I don't even think people are talking about that. I didn't think about that at all when I looked at this matchup. What I did think about is Ole Miss has had two weeks to set the landmine there, whether Bama won last week or not. But since they lost last week, and this has not been the most mentally tough team on the face of the earth to begin with, how shook is Alabama about to be? What version of them am I going to see roll into Oxford, Mississippi? Because you see, in the past, we would look at a Nick Saban coach team and we would say, after things go poorly for them, we're going to get the absolute hardest version of them we could possibly get. Not this team. They talk about competitive anxiety. They're talking about not being focused. I have no clue what I'm going to get from them this week. Three of their four road games have been decided by five points. I'm going to repeat myself. Take out the Arkansas game for a second. Those other four road games, those other three road games, they got a group of three road games decided by a total of five. The Texas game was a one-point game. The Tennessee game was a three-point game. And the LSU game, you just saw it, one-point game. Mathematically, that is almost impossible, but not quite, because they figured out a way to do it. I'm told matchups determine these games. And I don't think they're lying to me when they say that, which makes this prediction very simple for me. When you're demoralized, like Alabama is, they tell you different, they're lying to you. What is the one facet of your team that gets exposed more quickly than any other facet? I would say it's run defense because it takes a little something extra. takes a little edge about yourself to stop the run. Your heart really has to be in it to stop the run. Some teams have their heart in it and they can't stop the run, so no one stops it without their heart in it. And if Alabama's heart's not in it this week, you're facing the number three rushing attack in FBS, the best in all of the SEC, and really college football, because the other two above them are Army and Air Force. and That's Service Academy triple option ball. So we're talking about Ole Miss here running all over, folks. In Bama's two losses, most recently, we've seen the LSU game and the Tennessee game, they gave up over five yards per carry in both those games. And that was with a lot to play for. That was with everything still on the line. And so we see him this week in a, maybe a different state of mind. We'll know early. It, it's not like they'll stone the run early and then give way late. So we'll know. I'm curious how much Ole Miss's defense can offset Bryce Young. Bryce Young did not look good last week at all. And I went back and watched it again. I, I don't even think he's healthy. I don't think he's fully healthy. I don't think he has zip on his ball. And as a result, I mean, if we see that, obviously, Ole Miss's coaching staff sees that. I do not think anyone respects the deep ball from Alabama right now, which is shocking to say because you've got the Heisman Trophy winner there and it's been a high-octane passing attack in recent years. It's just not this year. Uh, their best receiver is the running back right now. And so I think when you compound that with the fact that Bryce Young's arm may not be 100%, I wouldn't respect their ability to push it deep on me until they showed otherwise. And especially when I look at how shaky Bama's offensive line can be on the road. And I think about how much I may be able to pressure them because I don't have to respect part of that game I used to have to respect with Bama. Man, it could really stall out. Like, Bama's offense could stall out this weekend. Uh, They did in the first half this last weekend against LSU. Two weeks to prepare, that gives Ole Miss time to dial up all kind of different looks and pressures and shifts. Late shifting confuses the heck out of that Alabama offensive line. So, all that plus Bryce Young's arm, I just, I'm very curious how big a factor that is early on. I'll tell you where this could randomly flip, though. Bama's got bad turnover luck. Now, they're not good at turning the ball over, but there's a lot of randomization and luck in turnovers, too. And they are second worst in FBS right now. But as we've talked about on the show many times, over the span of one Saturday, that could just totally flip on its ear. There is, there is no explaining the turnover margin in some of these games. So. I know it sounds like I'm picking Ole Miss to win by three touchdowns. Actually not, because we know the tradition around here is we don't pick Ole Miss to win games, apparently. So let's take a look at the model. And I've I've got a hiccup that is trying to come up as I'm talking. And let's take a look at what we think. The Vegas number is Alabama minus 12. Uh, The model disagrees. It's got Bama minus 10. And I have no feel on the game whatsoever. You could, I'm telling you this now, you could turn this game on Saturday and Ole Miss could get up 17 to nothing because there's nothing that would shock me about Alabama this Saturday because we haven't seen them in this situation, so we don't have reference points. What are you going to do, go back to 2010? So none of you remember that. I faintly do, but I can't go back that far, and so anything and everything could be in play here. I am going to ride with the model. I'll just take Bama to win, and I'll take Ole Miss to cover, and I'll sit back and not bet a dime on the game, and I'll I'll just watch it. There you go. Bama still plus 1,400 odds to win the SEC championship, and Ole Miss plus 10,000. I think that would shift fairly dramatically this Saturday. Now imagine this. Imagine if Ole Miss wins Saturday and LSU loses. And then all of a sudden we got the same situation, but it's Ole Miss watching that final game of the year with LSU against a and to see what happens. So still a lot to be decided in the SEC Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. CBS Wednesday. We have so many cool, diverse people from different backgrounds, different beliefs, different upbringings, and it just keeps growing. Citizen of the United States. I'm a hustler. I'm a big Taylor Swift fan.: I'm the queen of the tribe. I'm a survivor. I am playing whatever role I got to play. I'm going to play this game for speed.: I ain't going down like no punk.: A new survivor Wednesday on CBS and streaming on Paramount Plus. Next up. Some would argue this next game is the game of the week. And I cannot disagree with you guys. Now we're not going to be there. Because the Every Given Saturday Tour is going to be in New Orleans for UCF and Tulane. G5 Josh. TCU at Texas, though. It's the biggest game in the Big 12 this week. It's one of the biggest games of November because of the stakes that are riding on this thing. The home edge, got to give it to Texas. Desperation edge, got to give it to Texas. TCU technically doesn't have to have this, at least for the Big 12. Texas does. Texas would be out of this thing if they lost this Saturday. But the Big 12 rooting interest, I got a big question mark there. Because I think there are some teams like Baylor, like Kansas State, they would just as soon see TCU win and bump Texas out of there. It thins the herd a little bit and they're still in it and Texas is not. But the conference, although I know you guys pretend to hate Texas, you also understand what kind of money they bring when they're in that conference title game and you're gonna get rid of them soon anyway. I think there may be some quote-unquote powers that be that may still be pulling for Texas. Not like any of that matters necessarily, but I do want to point out one interesting thing about this game, and that is when I was in Austin earlier last month, I guess, I was there on a Friday. I was walking through the football offices. Who were they about to play? Who in the world did Texas? Obama. So, Obama was in town. Big game. So, the staff and the team, they left the facility a little bit earlier that Friday. I'm walking through the hallway and All the coaches are already gone, except one of them. I don't know that I told this story. It's not a great story. Gary Patterson. Gary Patterson still grinding away. Lights off. Lights off in his office, just grinding away. And I think about him this week, just like I thought about him that week, because I think he just got tasked with the Alabama game plan for the whole summer. There's Gary Patterson, former TCU head coach, just hanging out in his office down in Austin, Texas. Just waiting on all those kids he recruited. Come down there. I think he may know a thing or 10 about that team. It could matter. It could not. I think it's noteworthy. The half versus half disparity here is shocking. I don't think we've ever gone to the links to present this. We are so enthralled with the half versus half in TCU versus Texas. One of our best bets, one of our ramen noodle express picks is going to be a derivative. It's going to be a first half bet. I mean, Bud Elliott does 15 of these things every hour. We don't do all that many of them, but we're gonna do one tonight. Texas leads the Big 12 in first half points per game and points margin in the first half. PCU leads the conference in every one of those categories in the second half. Texas gets a lead like every week in the first half. And then they either squander it or they they hold onto it by the skin of their teeth in the second half. TCU has no interest in leading at halftime. It's almost like they would rather trail uh, because they see how much slack's in the rope and they come out of the locker room and then they start pulling. And they pull enough of that rope to pull by you and wave and grin in the process and everyone who thought they were about to go down looks like an idiot. Happened again last week. And so TCU is getting Quentin Johnson back. We think the big time receiver for the Horned Frogs, they're getting him back. Now, what we don't know because of an ankle issue is what version of him we're going to get this week. But we think we're going to get him. That makes a big difference. At what level, I don't know. But it's important that he's at least out there and Texas at least thinks that he can go at a high level because the Texas defense can otherwise probably limit this run. But as I say that, I know TCU staff has supreme confidence in that offensive line and that run game. They're proud of the physical nature that those guys have played with. So the potential padlock stat this Saturday, is TCU is blank in run defense. Because as much as I'm talking about what TCU can do on the ground, I'm even more interested in what they can do against the Texas run. They faced Oklahoma, and they didn't get Gabriel for all of that. And Oklahoma still ran the ball kind of well on them, but that was such a lopsided game, who knows. Then they faced Kansas State, and Adrian Martinez was out a lot of the game. Kansas State's got a pretty good run game. They put up some good numbers on TCU. But this week, you've got potentially a quarterback in Quinn Ewers that can change a game if you're not careful. And you're in the mid 60s in run defense as it is, and you got Bijan Robinson to face this week. And what's he done lately? Well, he's the only player in FBS with 800 rushing yards and 250 receiving yards. He also has seven games consecutive now, uh, 6.2 yards per carry. That's the average as of late. And so. I'm interested because I guarantee you both these teams think they can take the game over on the ground. I think one of them will, and almost certainly that will be the team that ends up winning. Let's take a look at the model. The Vegas number right now is Texas minus 7, and I've got to tell you the model does not think that is enough. The model looks and says, hook them horns, Texas minus 10.5. I think the model's right. I know you're not used to seeing Texas own a big game. And it may feel weird, but I think they're going to win the game Saturday. I think they're going to cover seven, but that's not our best bet. Our best bet is Texas minus four in the first half. Because I cannot ignore those first half uh, derivative discrepancies. Those are a lot of syllables for just two words, but Texas minus four in the first half is a Ramen Noodle Express best bet. We're adding that one to the pack there. It's going to be a really fun one. That's 7.30 Eastern time on ABC. You know, lost in all the election hoopla and the college football playoff hoopla and and predictions, we got a JP poll to drop tonight, too. And that's really what the people tune in for. I appreciate you guys if you are tuned in. Uh, Thank you so much for that. Let's go ahead and get our like over 1,000. We're at 644 right now. A little like drive, which is better than a canned food drive because you don't actually have to give me anything. In the meantime, JP poll, week 11 edition. we got a lot of big movement. Reminder? All that matters here is who'd be favored against who on a neutral field. This has nothing to do with rankings. This has nothing to do with the college football playoff. It has nothing to do with your record. It has nothing to do with merit. Having said that, let's dive into this week's ratings, not rankings, ratings, starting at 25. We like to go 25 to one, but I don't make you wait nearly as long as some other networks do. Wisconsin is back. Welcome back, Badgers. Central Florida, they are power rated 24. Arkansas has plummeted. Look, we're having a hard time with Arkansas. Number one, because I love them. So there's a ton of bias. Just kidding. This is a computer. This is not me. But number two, KJ Jefferson. I, it, without him, they are not a top 25 team. With a healthy version of him, they are a top 25 team. So it's like a week-to-week thing. We have to guess or maybe split the difference as to what we're going to get. Kentucky's sitting there at 22, which is kind of where the college football playoff committee has them, I think. Mississippi State, so in the top 25, they're at 21. Next five, please. Uh, Oregon State's still there. I think We think they're a top 20 team. We've been high on them for a while. Notre Dame is up to 19, shockingly similar to what the College Football Playoff Committee had. Florida State, we never bailed. Please let it be noted. As Florida State goes on a late season run, they got Syracuse this Saturday. They'll probably win that one. Let it be noted. Some people gave up. We did not. The model uh, was very steadfast and faithful in the Noles, and we got them at 18. Baylor has vaulted up to number 17. Uh, We have not punted on Baylor either. And there's UCLA just kind of sneakily hanging out there in the mid-teens at number 16. They've got, I believe, Arizona Saturday. And then they've got some big games coming up later in the month. Top 15. What about Kansas State? Kansas State. What do you do with them? Well, there's this tendency this late in the year when a team loses a game to just want to throw them out. Well, you don't do that. You do the same thing after they lose you did before. You measure their data profile relative to all the other data profiles. And they lose a game, okay, well, they drop. They won a game the week before. We didn't vault them like a bunch of people did. We got Kansas State at 15, Ole Miss 14, Utah 13, TCU is 12, down a couple of spots. That has more to do with other teams rising. Uh, Clemson dropped five spots now. They're 11, and remember, this is about who would be favored who would be favored. Now, here's the disagreement. The model thinks that Clemson would be favored tomorrow against TCU on a neutral field. And I know a lot of you disagree with that. But I've been telling you for a while, TCU would be a dog against several teams. They're a touchdown underdog against Texas. Texas has three losses. They're a touchdown dog to them. So that record is not the end-all be-all. Odds makers tell you that every week, and that's all this poll is based on. Let's go top 10 right quick. Penn State's at 10. Their, their, their crime is they are not as good as Michigan or Penn State or uh, Ohio State. Well, that only means you should be out of the top 25 if you lose several more games because we've got them in the top five. Both those teams are top five teams. So just because you're not able to beat them doesn't mean you couldn't beat TCU if we put them on a neutral field. LSU is at nine. I cannot believe that they have put together this string of play, but they have. USC is unchanged at eight. There's Texas again. I'm always going to get pushback on this because that's a three-loss team in our top ten. And no matter how many times I tell you it's not about merit, you'll continue to say, how do you have them up there? Because uh, they'd be favored against all these other teams. They just would. Uh, and if they wouldn't, the model says it would favor them, and Vegas would be very, very close to that. So if you don't think Texas would be favored against LSU on a neutral field, I'd first off remind you LSU is only favored by three against Arkansas this weekend in Fayetteville. And second thing is it would be close either way um, because we have like a three-quarter point separation. So even we don't think it's a big edge. Oregon is at six. Love the Ducks right now. Top five. Alabama is not going to drop very far, guys, just because they'd still be favored over a lot of teams. We just now dropped them below Tennessee. And I don't necessarily know that there'd be a dog against Tennessee tomorrow. You saw what happened this past weekend, right? You saw them lose to LSU, right? And all Vegas did was open them as a double-digit favorite on the road again this week against Ole Miss. So my, my encouragement to you is if you think it's BS, bet Ole Miss, bet LSU, bet all these teams, make a bunch of money. But that's not what we're basing our numbers on. They're favored. That means we're right about that. Tennessee, number four, Michigan three, Ohio State two, Georgia one, there is change. And that is there's now a little bit of a gap between one and two. There's a four-point gap right now for us between Georgia and Ohio State. And there is not much room between Ohio State and Michigan. That, that gap has evaporated, and there's not much gap for that matter between Ohio State, Michigan, and Tennessee. So there is a number one, Georgia, about a four-point gap, and then there's like a one and a half or two point gap between two, three, and four and five. Bama's not far behind them either. Again, just odds making. That's it. Let's dive right back into the predictions for this week. This one was completed. Oh, I would say about 15 minutes before airtime, and I'm I'm not all that confident in my prediction here. So let me hydrate, and let's dive in. LSU plays Arkansas, 11 a.m. local time, noon Eastern, Saturday on ESPN. This is what we call a caution tape special. Because all you remember is what you last saw. And what you last saw is Hugh Freeze going in there and taking the whack-a-mole hammer, the Sam Pittman and the Hogs. And as that was happening, you saw Brian Kelly take down Nick Saban and Baton Rouge in year one. Then I throw these two teams on a field, and they put a line of three on it. And you say, this is free money, right? No, no, it's not free money. Because we have this thing in mathematics and in college football called a progression and a regression to the mean. And the bottom line is, Arkansas lost as about a two-touchdown favorite last week, and LSU won as about a two-touchdown dog last week. These two things do not just continue to happen. And so, odds makers are saying, We think LSU is better than Arkansas, probably by about six or seven points. We're going to shave it down to three for home field, and you guys have at it. And people are going to dump money on LSU this week. We'll see what we think about it. But it's a letdown spot versus a wounded animal spot, and it's going to be really, really juicy because you don't have to wait for it. It's one of the first games you see on Saturday. KJ Jefferson is really what the outcome of this game is all about. That's not disrespecting LSU. I'm saying if I don't have a healthy Jefferson, LSU's gonna run away with the game. Whereas if I have a healthy KJ Jefferson, and by healthy, I don't mean 100%. I just mean a quarterback that can beat me multiple ways. A quarterback whose entire toolbox I have to account for. If I have him, that's how Arkansas could be competitive here. But Jaden Daniels, the reason why you gotta have your horse ready to go because Jaden Daniels is not giving you anything. He is right now third best among quarterbacks in all of FBS when it comes to touchdown to interception ratio. So, you know, you, you watch his style of play, and if you didn't know better, you would say, oh, he's going to be mistake-prone playing like that. He's really not, or at least he really hasn't been. Now, if he is Saturday, then that would, that would just be a one-off in the, in, the most, in the most unlikely of spots. But it was gut-check time last week for LSU. It's gut check time this week for Arkansas. They're fighting to make a bowl up there. Now, they still got to make a bowl. And right now, it doesn't feel good around the program because you, you lost against a and and that one really sets you up the next week for losing to Alabama. And then you've got injuries at quarterback and you lose to Mississippi State. But when they went to Brigham Young and then went to Auburn and they won both those games by double digits, it felt like something had turned. And then last week happens. And they're down three scores and they bench Jefferson um, because he was hurt. He's just playing hurt. Anybody watching with common sense understood what they were seeing. And they almost came back, but that doesn't count. And now what do you do? You're a four-loss team. You're five and four. They need to beat either LSU, Ole Miss, or Missouri to make a bowl. They would love to do much more than just make a bowl. But see, this game here... There are going to be so many folks who look at it and say, Arkansas, oh, you mean that team that just lost to Liberty? Or LSU, oh, you mean that team that just beat Alabama? I don't mean either of those things. You could get LSU win by 30, you could get them losing by 20 Saturday. You don't get the same versions of teams week to week. Now, some of them, like Georgia, become so good that you consistently get a great version of them. But even Georgia, you will not get the exact version of Georgia against Mississippi State this week that you just saw pound on Tennessee. That's not the way that college athletics work. So what you hope to build is consistency, but it's a crapshoot any given week. And there, there, is a, there is a basically a gap of, of variance. And for the, you know, the undisciplined teams, it's a little wider, but you just kind of close your eyes and you draw a version of yourself out of that barrel. And that's what I get any given week. If I get a better version of Arkansas and a worse version of LSU, you could easily see an upset this Saturday. But you need the best game you've had in a while from Arkansas on the line of scrimmage, because if you don't get it, LSU could tilt this thing. Because LSU's offensive line, based on what we thought they were going to be earlier in the year, is playing out of their mind. They've settled in on a rotation. They they ran it for way more than they had any business running it against Alabama. They could do the exact same thing this week. And if you're having even moderate success on the ground, Arkansas is, I think, what are they? They are third worst in FBS in passing yards allowed. Over 300 a game. So you could have an entire complement of the LSU offensive playbook available if you're not standing up at the line of scrimmage. And consider the stakes. Man, consider the stakes for both teams. Different goals, but both teams have high stakes here. I want you to look at what the model thinks. I think you'll be surprised. I was. Model has Arkansas winning the game outright. Arkansas minus one, so almost to pick them. But for the record, it does lean Arkansas. Uh, The Caesars line right now is LSU minus three. I was texting a number of people before the show because look, if you give me a 100% healthy KJ Jefferson, I got no problem picking the upset. I've seen this stuff happen before. But I'm not going to pick it because I don't know what the status of Jefferson is. And I think LSU is playing really good ball right now. And I know crazier things have happened and crazy things happen in the sport every week, but Arkansas is gonna to have to show me Saturday uh, because until further notice, I'm gonna slightly lean towards LSU to win. And if I'm gonna lean that way to win, I'm gonna take them to cover as well. No money will be wagered on that game. We had a Twitter question and I wanna to get to it before we go back into game breakdowns. We got a big one on the West Coast, so don't go anywhere. Actually, this question, It kind of has some West Coast flavor, but it has some Southern flavor, too. So let's take a look at what they sent us earlier. (sighs) Bob hits us up. He said, hey, Pac-12, Pate. Thank you, Bob. He said, do you have thoughts on the Dan Lanning to Auburn rumors? Yes, I do. These, unbeknownst to me, had started to circulate the last few days. Now, I say unbeknownst to me because I have just kind of resigned myself that no moves are about to be made in these coaching searches until after Rivalry Saturday. And I'm talking about Nebraska. Like there was, there was a lot of smoke out of Nebraska the past 48 hours. They're not making a hire yet, unless it's Matt Rule, you know, because you're not waiting on Matt Rule. And, you know, I think that name has traction up there. But this is not about Nebraska. This is about Oregon and Auburn. Uh, Dan Landing's not going to Auburn. So let me repeat that for you one more time. Dan Landing's not going to Auburn. And I could have told you that before yesterday, but then he had a press conference last night and he told you that pretty emphatically. He had some good quotes. I I think what he said about the grass and how green it can be in Eugene, if that's not already on a bunch of t-shirts up there, if someone is not already shamelessly profiting, Kenny, I'm looking at you in the equipment room there, if someone's not already shamelessly profiting off that, they have missed the boat. Because that was a money quote. And I don't know if he rehearsed it or not. I don't blame him if he did. But that was a good quote. Look, I told a buddy this earlier today, they, they asked me, or he asked me, hey, what about these landing rumors? And I said, you're not getting Dan Lanning? Dan Lanning's the head coach at Oregon, for those unfamiliar. Uh, you're not getting Dan Lanning. He said, well, why? The message boards say this and blah, blah, blah. And I said, well, I'm just telling you, I don't think that's going to happen. And, and Dan Lanning said it last night. He said, oh, that's not a denial. I said, it's a denial. He's not going. He's not, he's not coming to Auburn. So move on from that is my advice. But for my buddy, we'll call him Tom because that's his name, Tom earlier today, he said to me, that's what you said about Mario too. And that's when I dropped the pen. See, because I try and be nice in these exchanges. But then when someone plays the Mario card, not card card, then I have to get a little testy with them. And a refresher course, for those of you who have not been around here all that long, I was fairly emphatic that I did not think Mario Cristobal was going to leave Oregon for Miami. Then Mario Cristobal left Oregon for Miami, then came on the show and explained why he did it, by the way. And so I swift on that one. I got it wrong. I, I measured the situations, and even having assessed it, I thought that the quality of the job at Oregon and what they were building up there, I thought was going to make him want to stick around. I just undervalued his attachment to home. That's the long and short of it. There was no the hidden agenda or anything like that. But that's my point. Tom and anyone else. When you're talking about the fact that Mario Cristobal left Oregon, yeah, Mario left Oregon. For what? For Miami. It was the most special circumstance imaginable. Dan Landing didn't play at Auburn, he didn't grow up in Auburn. So there is no special attachment there. And I know both of these programs fairly well. Within this season, I have been inside both of these programs. Auburn, I think, is a job that is rapidly elevating, and I'm about to talk about that in a second. I talked about it the other night. Oregon's there, though, and I was out there a few weeks ago and, and talked to a lot of those guys and toured the facilities, but I got a feel of the investment out there. It's very SEC-esque. I know a lot of my Southern brethren scoff at that, but I'm serious about it. I'm not saying that permeates up and down the West Coast, but I'm saying there in Eugene, Oregon, they've got that. And You have a special circumstance of your own. His name is Phil Knight. Imagine the blessing of having a multi-billionaire associated with your program whose sole purpose, recreationally, at this point in his life, is seeing Oregon win a national championship. And when I was up there, I asked everyone in that building, what's it like interacting with Phil Knight? Everyone spoke glowingly, as they tend to do when you have a billionaire around with an open checkbook. But they said, no, 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 for real. Feels great because he does whatever is needed financially, but he's hands-off. He doesn't meddle in the program. So that's the best of both worlds. Uh, they invest and invest and invest. They have great attention to detail up there. It's just It's like a culture that was plucked out of another part of the country, and it just so happens to have been dropped in Oregon. Normally, that would screw you in recruiting, but because they have the Nike attachment, And the brand visibility, it doesn't. They are equipped more so maybe outside of the USC brand than anyone west of the Mississippi River, the Rockies, to recruit nationally. I tell the story all the time. They got a kid out there named TriQuest Bridges right now from Lynette, Alabama. TriQuest Bridges knew about Auburn, Georgia, Alabama, Florida, and he knew about Oregon. That's a kid growing up in rural East Alabama. Why does he know about Oregon? Because the branding is unique and it permeates nationally. So anyway, Lanning's got all that going for him up there. Oregon's a really good job. It's a superb job. Having said that, Oregon's gonna get them, or Auburn rather, Auburn's gonna get themselves a quality candidate. It ain't gonna be Dan Landing, but Auburn's gonna get themselves a quality candidate because someone is gonna get sold on what that job's becoming. If you wanna question it right now, you can, because it's been a mess. Behind the scenes and out front, it's been a mess. What I am humbly suggesting about the Auburn job is five years from now, and that's what you should be investing in if you're taking the job, two years from now, not five, two or three years from now, they've got a huge NIL reservoir built up that that will be contributed to more and more if the folks with the deep pockets get the coach they want. They've got new facilities about to open up. Which have been badly needed. I don't care how big your scoreboard is. I care about how comparable your facilities are. There's no functionality in a scoreboard. There's a lot of functionality in, in how many hot cold tubs you have. They are going to eventually rid themselves of Nick Saban. They are eventually going to get a more favorable schedule down there. And I think that they could be a very attractive destination in the transfer portal if you've got a coach kids want to play for, because they're going to be able to play the NIL game. Now, The right head coach is going to see that and say, I can do something there that no one's been able to do because no one's had access to all of what I could have access to. So they're going to be fine. They're going to, if they don't screw it up, which has happened before, I don't know if anyone's been paying attention, but if they don't screw it up, they can get themselves a really good candidate. I just don't think it's going to be Dan Lanning. Moving on. Speaking of Daniel Lanning out there on the West Coast, Washington versus Oregon's gonna be a good game this Saturday. I highly advise you guys at seven o'clock to at least have the split screen. I know you got other games on, but this is a seven o'clock Eastern time kick on Fox. They've been waiting on this one out there, Uh, Washington and Oregon. But Oregon, they're back half of the schedule here. Washington this weekend, Utah at Oregon State. They're on an eight game win streak. Washington's two losses have come on the road. One of them was at UCLA. One of them was at Arizona State. So. There's a reason the Ducks are sitting here as about a 13-and-a-half-point favorite. There's a quarterback in this game that I want to tell you about, and I don't think you're going to guess the right one if I know you like I think I do. There's a quarterback in this matchup that leads FBS in passing yards per game. You said Bo Nix, didn't you? It's not him. It's Michael Penix. It's the Washington quarterback. Now, there is good news for Bo Nix. He leads in a lot of other things. 36 total touchdowns, that is first amongst FBS quarterbacks. He is first in rushing touchdowns amongst FBS quarterbacks. He's been sacked one time all year, by the way. Once all year, and his completion percentage, number two nationally amongst FBS quarterbacks. Really good quarterback matchup. The over-under in this thing is 72 and a half for a reason. Probably gonna be some point scored. Washington has to victimize Oregon at the linebacker position. And they got to victimize them at DB. Because Oregon will give up some yards through the air. They, they are what they are this year. I'm sure in future recruiting classes, they'll rectify this. But they're dealing with what they're dealing with right now. Washington has only one 100-yard rusher all year. So they throw the ball to win. There are no two ways about how they go about things. Oregon 76, total defense. 91st, total pass defense. Plays are there to be made. You just got to make them. And you, don't, you got to do it without turning the ball over four times. The most comparable game, we were looking through Oregon's schedule this year, the most comparable offensive team profile to Washington is Washington State, at least that Oregon's played. And they gave up 41 that game. So, you know, it could happen. Flap those wings, not duck wings, obviously. It could happen. Where this game will be won, though, in my opinion, is Oregon testing Washington's run defense. Because, see, when UCLA came in there a few weeks back, Statistically, UCLA was a good team defensively. And Oregon splattered them. They shredded them. They could do whatever they wanted to. They threw the ball on them early, and then they went on this really ridiculous 1970s-esque, time-consuming ground-and-pound drive to start the third quarter, and they just flexed their entire arsenal. And I think, having not been in those meetings this week, but knowing how they roll, I suspect they look at this Washington defense, top 25 run defense, and they say, we don't care. We're going to run it on them. And I think that's what's going to happen. I think Oregon's going to have over 200 on the ground Saturday. And if we look at what the model thinks and what the odds makers think, you know, the model is sitting here under what Vegas thinks. Vegas is Oregon minus 13 and a half. We've got Oregon minus 10. So here's what's interesting we think the game's gonna be competitive. However, even though I'm gonna take Washington to cover, I actually have a little more confidence in Oregon winning because I think the style of play they're gonna incorporate lends to less volatility in outcome. So for the sake of maybe not covering their style of play and how I think they're gonna run the ball, it may allow Washington to stay in the back door. I think they're gonna win the game. So we will take Oregon to win Maybe lean Washington to cover. Oregon right now, the odds-on favorite to win the Pac-12 championship. Okay, let's, uh, let's do one more thing here right quick. Thank you guys so much for being tuned in. Hey, uh, go ahead and get us to 1,000 likes before we uh, wrap the show up. Because we're at 927 already, and several thousand of you are tuned in. Okay, Ramen Noodle Express. I have two of, yeah, two. I've got two games already public, so I'm going to give you three more here. So we got Penn State minus 12, Pitt minus 4. You know about those two. We just put Texas minus four first half out earlier today. Poor Director Colin had to put a derivative bet in there. Here's another one I want you to jump on. This line's available at Caesars as we speak. Virginia Tech plus 10. Yes, we are taking the Hokies. After they completely melted down against Georgia Tech and cost us money, we're going to take them again because we don't take things personal around here. Well, we're not taking that personal. And FSU minus six and a half. Sucker line, I think, but we're going to jump on it because we think the odds are right for us. They're playing Syracuse. So we're taking FSU minus six and a half and Vatek plus 10 and Texas minus four. First half, those are the games that we are adding. I asked you to help us out the other night with the funeral expenses for a friend of the program. I want you guys to know you raised about 12 or $13,000. So from that family, through me, including me to you, I wanted to say sincerely, really appreciate that. Because we didn't build it up, we didn't, we didn't market it or anything. I just told you on the show, I put out one tweet and one Instagram post and you guys raised like 12000 or $13,000. So you took care of funeral expenses for one of our own and trust me, they needed it. So I appreciate you guys for that. All right, for Direct to Colin, for producer Jesse, I'm Josh Bate. Take care. Have a great rest of your evening. Don't tweet about politics and God bless. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season.